Hello and welcome to the podcast. We have the honor to be here with a very special guest. He is a therapist, a life coach, and a superb human being. You want to introduce yourself? How are you? So my name is Moshe Chaim Soror, Mo Soror, and I'm a clinical hypnotherapist, a life coach, a Jew, a husband, a human, <laughs> and um, yeah. So the topic that's going to be discussed tonight is going to be a very famous topic, which is the, you could say the method or how to let go, mm-hmm. which I personally think is very important for a person that wants to move on in his life mm-hmm. and doesn't want these past things to, these past events to like affect him. Mm-hmm. So explain like what is letting go like what does it mean you know like what's the what's the breakdown of the whole thing because there's so many things that we go through and carry with us and what's the whole shtick so i think before we could actually talk about letting go i think we have to also discuss what people like to hold on to and many people look at letting go and allowing and just being present in the moment as such a worthy uh goal and it is though not many people are really necessarily always looking to see what am I actually holding on to? Why am I holding on to it? What's keeping me from my sense of inner peace? Letting go without knowing what I'm letting go of and without actually appreciating why I haven't been letting go of that thing. It's, it's part of a whole process. You think people are aware of what they're holding on to, or it's like a subconscious thing? I think some people like to think that they are aware of, and some people are. Um, many people that I know are aware that they hold on to specific things, and some people aren't. Uh, I think many, many guys want to pretend that they're not holding on to the things that they're holding on to. I think the ego has a wonderful way of telling ourselves different stories about ourselves that, oh, I want to be like this, oh, I want to be like that, I want to have this type of... Uh, perception that I put out to the world or I want to look this way in front of the mirror and Interesting. there's a lot of things that we wind up holding on to the way we want to look to ourselves and the way we want to look to others women specifically it's not that I know that they know that they hold on to things and they know that they know that they that they hold on to things and so many people try to cover themselves up in different ways to try to portray themselves in certain ways in order to appear like they are letting go and okay and happy. When the reality of it is, is we're all holding on to things. We all have stuff. We all have stories about ourselves. We all have insecurities about ourselves. We all have things that keep us away from being in connection to ourselves, to others, to God. So, so back to the original question, how, do, how does a person really become aware of what they're holding on to and go into a, a process of actually letting go? I think the first thing you have to actually realize is, well, what are they holding on to? So if I make a list of where am I stuck in my life? Where are there certain situations where... I'm not I'm, growing? I'm not... Growing. I'm not growing. Maybe some places where I'm experiencing a lack of freedom, some places that I'm stuck some people that I keep on hitting that brick wall, sometimes, 
you know, people could be very, very stubborn and they keep on trying and should, I, it should go a certain way. It should be a certain way or it shouldn't be that way. That's control. That is a wonderful, um, somebody just said this recently, stop shooting on yourself. <laughs> <laughs> really, really stop shooting on yourself. Uh, should is a judgment. And we get really, really, really good at judging ourselves and judging other people. So the first step to letting go, I would say, is start to come to an awareness of how you are actually judging yourself. How are you actually judging the situation? We are so easy. We are so easily taken into that flow of judgments of it should be a certain way. I should look a certain way. This should be a certain way. There should be a certain number in the bank account. Or there should be a certain image staring back at me at that selfie or in the mirror. Um, so where does like Emuna come into the story? I think there's... Emuna. How do you really let go and, and give it to God? So the first thing I have to understand about Emuna is Emuna is something I pray for. Emuna is not something that I just let go to. Emuna is this muscle that I consistently and continuously work. You work out in the gym, you work out your muscles. Emuna is something that you continuously and consistently work on. And there are times where... I get to remind myself. I get to remind myself what actually matters. I get to remind myself at the heat of the moment, there is this, there are these different steps along the way where I have these different reminders of like, oh, I can insert God here. I can insert God here. And a lot of us get so caught up in, 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 in these different races between ourselves or other people that we forget to pause, and we forget to stop, and we forget to take a moment. I have a couple of clients where I said this, the next red light that, you, that, that you're at, um, most red lights are probably a minute, two minutes, yeah. three minutes if they're, you know, yeah. one of those. What's the first <laughs> thing you want, what's, what's the first thing that you do at a red light? You, you wait to like fly. You wait to fly, but when you hit that red light, what's the first thing that you do? You get annoyed. You get annoyed? I get annoyed. No, but seriously, with your hands, with your feet, what do you do? Probably fidget. You fidget? You don't check your phone? I check my phone. Oh, you check your phone. Every red light, I check my phone. <laughs> so, so for many people, it's either they like that cigarette, they check their phone, or they drink that cup of coffee. Or are they, like, escaping? Or they look at them. Exactly. It's not even escaping as much as they don't know how to be, be in relationship to that pause. Wow, that's they, deep. They don't know how to be in relationship to that pause. Now, I'm not saying I am a master at it. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely someone who practices it. I try to practice it. Uh, whether you get to shul and they haven't started yet, whether the chazan is taking his time in his prayer, there's, there's, there's always these moments where you get to practice the pause. Letting go does not mean I get to let go of this big trauma that I've been holding on to. It doesn't mean that I get to let go of the daddy issues that have been um, holding me back in my life. Letting go can simply mean that I'm simply allowing this moment to be. This moment, wherever it is, is enough. This moment, whatever it is, is enough. This, I pull out, I wanted a dollar and I, uh, and I pull out uh, $5 and I was looking for $1. That little pause of I wanted one thing and something else happened that could be a lower T trauma. All right? Many different types of, of thinkers think this way. The second I'm anticipating one thing to happen and something else happens, that confuses the system. So how do I deal with that sense of confusion? How do I deal with 
the thing that that accepting that whatever I anticipated is not going to happen. I thought I was going to get up at 7. Boom, I was up at 7.30. So do I spend the next hour and a half crapping on myself because Lord knows I'm really good at doing that? Or do I just allow... Do I allow the next moment and allow the next moment and allow the next moment that wherever... And God is not only where I want Him to be. God is everywhere. Hashem is here. Hashem is there. Hashem is truly everywhere. Emunah is is living that. God just doesn't exist when I check the box off that that I set for myself. God exists everywhere, outside the box that I, that, that, that I put for myself and inside the box that I put for myself. God is, period. So that's where Emunah comes into play, where stop setting God up to be only where you want Him to be. And let go to the ocean that is existence, that God is everywhere, period. And I'm just moving through that. So do you think it's like from what you're saying, it sounds like letting go is just always being present. Like I once heard this famous line that depression is obsessing over the past, anxiety is obsessing over the future, and optimal growth is obsessing over the present moment. Correct. Is it possible for a person to truly be present all the time? Because I always catch myself like, like just like mood swings almost. Like sometimes I'm thinking about the past. Sometimes I'm thinking about what's going to be. But I noticed my happiest self is being here. Yes. So I actually have been very, very big into meditation for about 15 years. I've led groups on this and I spoke about presence insanely for a very, very long time. I don't know if somebody can ever tell me that they are 100% present all the time. It doesn't, it doesn't really work that way because our minds don't really work that way. But I know that my body is here. My breath is here. What takes me away from the present moment is usually my mind. And my mind is going to obsess about the, the past or have anxiety about the future. And there's a principle that a teacher of mine told me once, intimacy always happens now. We all want this thing called intimacy. We all want connection. We want connection with our wives. We want connection with ourselves. We want connection with our creator. What kind of connection? Intimacy. You know when you know. Is that attachment? <laughs> don't feel... I'm talking about connection. Don't go into it. Don't, attachment is a whole other loaded word. But let's, <laughs> it's a, and you know, whoever's listening to this knows that attachment <laughs> is a very loaded word when you're talking about uh, these types of inanim. But we want intimacy in our lives. We want connection in our lives. We want healthy attachment, secure attachment, if you mm. want, if you will in our lives, that happens while being present. I can't connect with a friend of mine while I'm talking about the stuff that happened to me. I can share the stuff that happened to me, but if we're both dwelling in how good high school was and we're 30, are we actually living in the present? We might reminisce, we might have nostalgia, we might smile at ourselves because we were young and did whatever we were doing. That's not connection? I learn how to connect around the past, but real connection is connecting with a person in the present. How? By being present, by being in touch with what's in front of you right now. Wow. How often does somebody want to connect to their son or want to connect to their child or want to connect to their lover? And all that they're obsessed with is who they want the other person to be to in be. their own head. So if I'm meeting uh, a friend of mine or 
not a friend. Let's just say I'm Anybody. the girl I'm dating. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, if I'm meeting the girl I'm dating and all that I'm trying to fit her in is this picture inside of my head. And it could, it could be a very, 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 very wonderful good picture yeah. where she has certain midot and she has <coughs> a certain hashkafa and she has a certain lifestyle and she has certain types of parents. And I keep on rubbing her against this image that I have in my head of how I think I want my life to be. That's a game that I'm playing inside of my head while I'm dealing with an actual person in front of me. It's like an illusion. That's an illusion that I'm playing with in front of, inside of my own head while I'm dealing with somebody in front of me. So part of being present is taking that game and saying, you know what, this game I'm going to put aside for right now. I'm going to let go of this game right now and just be with another person. What do you think that game is? That, what, what is that game? That game is... It's old. <laughs> that game is... We all want to be perceived a certain way and we all think that things need to go a certain way. Now, I am not saying that we should not have our lists and there shouldn't be a... Requirements. A list. You want to call a list of requirements? I want, say, requirements. I want to say... I want to say... I want to say there are certain things that are non-negotiable. Like criteria. When I was dating, there were certain things, there's criteria that are non-negotiable that, that these things need to be present. And now, once, once these gadarim are, are there, then... Let's go, ha- let's go have fun because I'm dealing with an actual person. Yeah. I'm dealing with an actual person that's probably just as complex, if not more, than I am. So I, I'm trying to fit them into a box isn't really going to work because nobody really likes to fit into a box. Who wants to be fit into a box? The second you're trying to fit somebody into a box, you've already lost. You're already not being present. You'll never be able to love them for who they are. You're... The, can you actually love someone for who they are if you're busy putting them into a box? You're not loving them. You're loving the idea of what you want them to be. Nachon, 100%. And many people do this with kids. What is the bar that I want my child to meet? And, it, it, and it's very sobering for a lot of people. Yes, I want my kid to accomplish. And yes, I want my son to achieve. And yes, I, I definitely want them to have Yad Shemayim and succeed and yada, yada, yada. So it's and not coming from a bad place. It's not coming from a bad place, but it's like, it's important to really start to recognize where is my own ego in this? Mm-hmm. Where is my own ego here? And that's where, uh, that's where good friends comes in. That's where mentors comes in. That's where really learning how to develop a sense of your own relationship to your own inner voice comes in. What do you really want? What do you really want? And that is a question that will keep on driving a person being honest with what they actually want do they want to look a certain way or they want connection do they just do they want more money or do they want significance do they want um or comfort or comfort and we all want and we there's nothing wrong with it it's just being honest with what is the energy that's driving your bus so that that's where the healthy attachment comes in Meaning, do you want a relationship or do you want to not be alone or do you want to give to someone? So, so when you're getting into attachment theory, it's a very loaded topic because we all grew up with attachments and we all learned different things through the attachments that we had growing up. And there are different types of attachments. So we learn growing up different types of attachment styles and we learn how to get attention certain ways through different attachment styles. I, and there are different tests. There's four different attachment styles. Anybody could Google and take 
what is my attachment style and, and see. Some people are very, very scared to not being, of being rejected. Some people are very, very scared of not being rejected that they wind up becoming the people pleaser. Some people don't want to connect with Chlal because they're so... They, they, they don't believe in themselves to the point of knowing how to, how to connect. Is that the anxious one? <laughs> there's, faith, there's fearful, there's, there's anxious, there's secure, and... I don't know. There's anxious avoidant, there's fearful... Uh, it's escaping me. No, it's okay. It's okay. So I wanted to ask you, back to the being present topic... The, the, the one main thing I could think of when you were saying that is a phone. Go ahead. The, the phone is always there. It, we go to it in the middle of conversations. We go to it when we're in the car. We go to it basically when we can. Mm-hmm. We all do this. It's, like, it's, like a, it's a massive addiction. And, so, I, and I find in myself the only time I'm truly, truly present and getting my best ideas and actually having my own thoughts and not what I'm seeing on the phone is on Shabbat. Mm-hmm. So, in a in a constructive type of way, how can people be on their phone less so people can actually make a change to be more in the moment and not in the box? So it starts with the practice. I, I understand how everybody has a reliance on a phone. By the way, the fourth attachment style is disorganized. Um, <laughs> I, I just I'm, I'm I'm a stickler for 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 information and. Um, yeah, disorganized as is the fourth one. But uh, thank you for my phone for that one. But, um, <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> but uh, I think it starts with a practice. Can you actually be a minute with your breath? Forget putting your phone away. Forget. But can you actually leave your phone in the car and, and, and go for a walk? No, but someone's going to steal it. I'm like, what if nobody actually steals it? What if you go to shul in the morning and leave your phone at home? No, but then I'm going to have to go back home to get... I, okay, fine. That's anxiety, what if you right? Don't, what if, if for, for those of you that, 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 that pray, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I have no idea who winds up listening to these things, but for those of you that pray, for those of you that meditate, what if you put your phone away? And if it could be for five minutes, great. If it could be for ten minutes, awesome. It could be for an hour, wonderful. But what if you can actually practice not being with it? It's not that hard. I know it feels hard. I know it feels like I'm taking off your left hand and just lopping it off. But there, there winds up being this, doesn't it bother you? Doesn't it bother you? I, I hear so many people in the back of my head because I've heard so many of these speeches. Doesn't it bother you that, that it bothered me, it bothers me that I am so tied to something and I'm a, that I'm enslaved to it 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 tickles me and it bothers me and it gnaws at me but so, we, what we tell ourselves is productive bull you you want to sell it fine but but at, okay when you when your child is going to come to you and when your child is going to come to you and and want time and you're and it's always going to be in relationship to your phone is that productive and when you're dating somebody and when you want to spend the rest of your life with someone or when you're going to go and spend your nights with someone and it's always going to be in relationship to your phone or she is always going to be in relationship to your phone, does that bother you? Yes. Okay. Uh, it's okay and, it, and it's okay if it doesn't. It's really, really, really okay if it doesn't. I know it bothers me and it's a practice. Practice. 
Practice does not make perfect. This is a therapist from Israel about 10 years ago told me this. Practice does not make perfect, but practice brings mastery. I think if it doesn't bother you, then you don't value your own presence. I don't like this whole, if it doesn't, then, 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 then something. Some people it bothers and some people it doesn't. And whoever is going to get to where they, they need to get to will get to where they get to. If it doesn't bother them now, maybe it'll bother them later. So I don't like conditionally saying if it doesn't bother someone, then everybody has something that bothers them. Okay, fair. But it's like a lack of it's a lack of respect in a way, you know. So some people say that the respectful thing is when you get to a meal, you put your phone face down, and I find it funny because it's like, okay, fine, you're telling them I have a phone and I'm putting it down. What if you don't put it on the table? What if you leave it in your pocket? What if you leave it in your car? We all have these different ways of relating, using a device to relate to the other person how we want to connect to them. For some people, they don't send emojis. Other people love sending emojis. <laughs> I think, I remember there was one time I was, I was, uh, it's like, oh, we're on the level where we can send emojis to somebody. I'm like, that's the level of connection that we have with people. Some people, they only talk in emojis. Some people, they talk in words. Some people, they, 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 they have the um, IDK instead of I don't know. It's okay. Everybody to their own, their own level. But... You're speaking about letting go and you're speaking about being present. There is a presence when that only arrives when it's you and you. Forget about the phone. It could be the joint and it could be the cigarette and it could be the alcohol or it could be the food or it could be the TV. It could be whatever. There is a place in your life where it's only you and you. And learn how to dwell in that space. Is learn that, how is to that self-love? I don't know if self-love actually happens if you don't know how to spend time with yourself. I don't know if self-love actually will happen if you do not know how to spend time with yourself. It sounds impossible. I mean, is it? it? <gasps> no, that's what that's how it sounds. Can you love someone else if you never spend time with them? Mm -hmm. Well, let me ask you: How when you say love, what does love mean? What I think love is, yeah. I think it's giving. Okay. Because we're, we're programmed to be selfish. So when we actually give from ourselves to someone else or Perfect. to our own self, that's, it's a difficult task. So you're taking, you're taking the Ravdesla line. Who, whoever who, who, whoever <laughs> I'm going to, to give to, I'm going to wind up loving, which is absolute MS. I think it's true. It's, it's, it's absolute MS. It's to whoever I, I choose whoever I choose to give to continuously, I will grow to love. Yes. And I love those who I wind up giving to. Another definition of love is when I take something as a part of myself and I treat it as a part of myself. So if I were talking about self-love, a line that I would say in a course that I give is I can't teach you how to love yourself. I can't teach you how to love yourself, but I can show you how to treat yourself with more love. Mm. Part of treating yourself with more love is being able to sit with yourself with yourself no phone no that if you, maybe just a pen and paper do you I, I try and write sometimes my penmanship stinks since i left high school it just went down and down and down i, I write really well in hebrew in english it's just like chicken scratch but if you could actually sit within pen, with a pen and paper and write down what you want in your life no i'm not saying i'm not saying sit down in, with your notepad on your phone 
It's a cop out. Why? Because the same way you're on the phone. Yeah, you're on the phone. You're with your thumbs, and the second you want to move into some other app, it's very, 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 very possible. Very true. Facts. To sit with yourself. Mm -hmm. To just sit with yourself, and people, it will drive them crazy. So hard to do. (laughs) It will drive them crazy. It will drive them crazy. Yes, the first time it's going to drive you nuts. The second time, the third time, the fourth time. By the sixth, seventh time, you start developing a habit. Phone is, a, is, a, is, is an amazing tool. It's a horrible habit. So part of, of be, being present is practicing being kinder to yourself, being more loving to yourself, and developing better habits. We have really, really, really crummy habits, especially in Brooklyn. Dude, come on. <laughs> yeah, it's very true. Um, so in terms of letting go, we sometimes take control over things that happen to us. Mm-hmm. How does a person <laughs> let go of the control? So, it's, so I had a friend of mine. Um, he told me this about two years ago. And he says, and it, it was so good. It was, so, it was one of these guys that was very, very successful. And he went through whatever he went through. But he said this amazing line to me. He says, Mo, don't change. Don't ever change. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, don't change, but grow up. Part of growing up is taking that balloon that we really liked holding on to. That balloon that we really liked holding on to as kids and as teenagers and as young adults and letting go. Sometimes it is as easy as letting go of a balloon. I think everyone's balloon is different. It's, it's like the story. The, exactly. It's, the, it's not being responsible. It's like, no, it's, it's the balloon's fault. It's not me, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, no, it's, it's, it's the story or the, the trauma or the this or the that. Sometimes you just got to just... Call whatever you want. Call whatever you want. Everyone has a balloon. Everyone has a balloon. It has many balloons. <laughs> it has many balloons. You have every right. And this is what I told people... Um, uh, for the last couple of years I've been saying this you have every right to treat yourself as the biggest hazy case around you have every right to treat yourself as the biggest nebuch as the biggest hazy case as, as the biggest loser you have every right to but at the end of the day there will come a point where you are the one calling yourself a loser and you get to that poise that point of choice where you get to choose to stop you get to choose to, to shift that story that you're telling yourself. Now, for some people, it means doing some inner child work. For some people, it means going back, and that's, that's the regression questions you keep on asking me about. It means going back, meeting that inner child who I guarantee you is, was, will be always a pure, innocent, beautiful kid filled with vitality. And then along came, comes this thing called life and... Hits him. And hits him. The same way, guess what? Hits everybody. You are not special. You are unique. You're not special. You're very, very, very unique. No, but you don't understand. I, I get it. We all have it. Nobody has experienced life like you did. I guarantee you. You are so unique that nobody has ever experienced life as you're experiencing life. But we all want someone to relate to. And we want someone to relate to. But we... So, 
so for many people, for many people, and I've been doing this for 15 years, so I think I know what I'm talking about. Sometimes I have to actually sit down and look at myself. Look at that little boy. What did he look like? For many people, write, write that little boy a letter. Who were you when you were four? Who were you when you were five? It's actually a self-love exercise. Who were you when you were three? It's a lot more than self-love exercise. It's, it, it is and more. Start to have this relationship to yourself. Before life started happening, before the messages started building up, we all carry this, these, these negative patterns, these tapes that keep on playing in, in our lives, whether it's, I'm not good enough, I'm not acceptable, I'm not, I don't matter. My, my voice doesn't matter. I'm blah, 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 blah. And it's all important. And it all deserves space. Give yourself the space to meet yourself. Mm-hmm. And if you need help, if you want a therapist, if you want a coach, if you want an older brother, if you want a mentor, there are people around. Thousands of people are doing this work, current, real, now. Not just with me, but with people that I know. All around. There is no more excuses to stay small. Oh, but I don't my, my, my mommy and my daddy and my daddy, daddy, daddy. I, I hear you. You have every right. You have every right to judge yourself and blah, 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 blah. And then there comes a point where I get to choose something more. I get to choose something more. This is true for women. This is true for men. This is true for, for teenagers. I've worked with men in their 50s. <laughs> when you say more, you mean choose something better for yourself. Choose something, yes. Because at the opposite of the negative pattern is a positive pattern. That's how you have to meet it mm-hmm. and, and confront it and then flip it. Like I like to call it flipping switches for myself. Correct. I've been flipping switches for months, manifesting there, things. There's, and, there's an awesome book um, by Byron Katie called Loving What Is. And... She his her whole thing is take a belief and challenge it and then flip it. What would it be like if the opposite was true? That's beautiful. And it's it's and it's and, it's, and scary. Yeah, because nobody else, nobody wants to entertain the thought that what if I'm not a loser? What if it's not that other people are judging but me? Why what not? if I'm because they don't want to take the responsibility? I no, see because, it as amazing because they're waiting. Because they're waiting for something. Many it's people, never going to come. Exactly. You have to make Many it happen. Many people, they wait, they, they wait, and they wait, and they wait, and they wait, because they, they're, they're waiting for something to happen. And, and Lord knows that I waited many, many years All for things to happen. And we get stuck in this loop. Life is something that you get to co-create with God. Exactly. That is something that you get to do. And wherever you're experiencing stuck in your life, that's wonderful. But therein lies the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Therein lies the opportunity for you to unstick yourself. And it could be by challenging the negative beliefs, being aware of the negative beliefs, learning how to let go of the negative beliefs. Maybe there's, a t- there's elements of self-love that you need to go back and see where did those beliefs started and how can I show compassion. Right. And you know, those little boys and those little girls, all of them wanted love, safety, and belonging growing up. And what happens when we don't get that love, safety, and belonging? There are different thought patterns that wind up materializing. 
Yes, we wanted our parents to be a certain way. Yes, it hurts when we had expectations on our parents and they didn't meet our expectations the way, the way we went, the way we lived life through. Yes, we wanted to be kids and we wanted to be good at sports. I wanted to be good at sports. I'm horrible at sports. But I wanted to, I wanted, we all wanted to fit in. I wanted to fit in. And then school is school. School is school. So life happens. And the more, and so there has I'm to not be a telling point, you change. There has to be a point where you stop looking at what you didn't get and look at what you did get. Correct. And, and appreciate what people did for you. Correct. Sometimes people think you don't love me, but no, I do love you. Just look at what I'm doing. There's two sides of the coin. Yes. And, and, then, and, and children very, are, are, are definitely going to absorb, absorb whatever it is around them. And sometimes they absorb the negativity. And it's not a lie. There are a lot of houses that are filled with different types of toxicity and negativity. Right. And not everybody knows exactly what they're doing. And everybody I'd like to believe is trying their best. Right. And if we're growing up and we're learning how to show up in our lives with a greater sense of responsibility, a greater sense of command, a greater sense of love, a greater sense of compassion, if you actually want better, then there are ingredients to make that happen, to co-create, to co-create it. It's not just going to happen to you. The universe is just not going to fart glitter on you and then everything <laughs> is going to be wonderful. It didn't happen till now and it's probably not going to. That's, that's where all of this is basically just taking responsibility. I heard a, I heard a rabbi say once that responsibility is a play on words. Mm-hmm. You have to respond to something to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. But if you don't respond to it, then you're not going to be able to do it. Which basically means that like Hashem wants to put a blessing into your vessel. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to constantly cover the top or fill the cup with complaints or put a hole in the side or whatever it is, you're never going to be able to receive what He wants to give you. But, but the moment that you choose that I want to do this, then He can help you. But, so, it, but until you make that choice and you choose to be you know, some sob story or whatever it is, just forever living in this, like, dream, I think. <laughs> I want to mention on the responsibility thing, the way Eric Fromm in the book, The Art of Loving, writes responsibility, the way he puts it. And I think Gabor Matei also, who's very, very deep into trauma, also puts it this way. Responsibility is the ability to respond. Mm. Taking responsibility means there is something in my life that I have the ability to respond to. All right, it's not this burden that's yes, people relate to it as a burden because you know it's 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 a heavy responsibility. The type of love that a father has in order to run his household and run in a certain way and be the be the provider. Yes, Everything. that that is a responsibility. And he has the ability to respond to that need that his family has. Anxiety is when I get scared that I'm not going to have the ability to respond. But that's just you choosing to meditate on that negative thought. The moment that you like, like stop thinking about that and meditate on what I can do. Because the, the truth is, you know, this may be a side point, but I think everyone is powerful. Everyone is intelligent. And anyone can do anything. You just have to believe in it. I hear you. Like I can, I can punch someone without putting concentration into that punch and it won't hurt. But if I put concentration into my fist and, and really try to hurt him, I can. And mm-hmm. 
And that's just like, that's like a parable to what I'm saying. If you really put concentration and belief into your abilities and your strengths and recognize that you have... what you're doing with these podcasts and with the, with the TikToks. Like, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Because I believe that I can do anything. And the moment that I shifted my belief, my world opened up for me. Because the world is never going to accept you if you don't accept yourself. But if you accept yourself... Doors open up. Hashem, Hashem throws things at you because now you can handle it. Why would God give you this? If God gave you this massive blessing, right? I don't know what it is. An amazing girl, let's say. Let's say a guy's single and he wants to get married. But he's constantly telling himself, I don't deserve her. I'm not worthy. I'm blah, 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 blah. It's going to go south very quickly. <laughs> the, girl, the girl's going to come and he's going to lose this. So why would God give it to you? It's better he gives it to someone else or he waits until you're ready to give it to you. So in, in a way, it's like, you, like good things are meant to happen to you. Correct. But you need to shift your mindset and realize how powerful you are. Like you said, we all have the ability to respond. Mm-hmm. There is nobody that is not able to. We just need to believe that we're able to. Yeah. And then all these other problems come in like low self-esteem and this and that. So it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of shifting. It's definitely not you staying on your phone or me staying on my phone is not necessarily promoting a state where I get to build that muscle. But the shift that you're talking about, and it's a if I may say so, it's unbelievable and it's amazing and it's deep and may, may keep on growing and rippling out. Those are decisions that a person makes between them and themselves, not them and themselves and their phone. And them and themselves and... The and, phone is such a big part of our No, I get it, I get it. But it, the, the phone is the tool. The phone is a tool. I hear you. It's right? a big. It's a tool. It's a wonderful tool. Um, it's a great tool. Yeah. But I think it's a decision that winds up happening internally, and everybody's going to wind up doing it whenever they want to wind up doing it. And I think. I think it happens when they just get tired of. Just sticking themselves and un, and and get more interested in unsticking themselves. Mm-hmm. And then the, I, I said this to, to a client the other week. Everything, he, he was, you posted something about, uh, um, about Sheikh Bazera or whatever. So one of my clients, he recently had a fall. All right? He was good from, for a good couple of months. And he had a fall. I was a, like, a religious okay. guy? Yeah, yeah, religious from a guy um, you would never know. Those are tough. So I ended tough. up. So and he was going. He was going for for a good couple of months. I'm listen. It's open season, so I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go. Married, single. <laughs> married, single. Ma- married kids. How do you fall? Life. Yeah. And, all right. Whoever's listening to this, whoever thinks that it stops after you're married, wake up. No, no, no. I'm <laughs> it just saying. Stop. If, if you train yourself when you're single to not watch, you know what, and to not. You know, do these so things. So he didn't actually train himself. Oh, that. that that makes sense. And those people who train themselves when they're single, I'm sure they the muscles are definitely working when you're married. And life is life. But the Talmud says there's a small organ in your body. The more that you choose to feed it, it'll always be hungry. But if you starve it, it'll always be full. And the Yetzirah finds a way in every each day, daga. Every day. In each daga that you think you are, he will find a new, more novel way to mess with you. So that said, so I ended up turning on to the, 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 whole, the whole coaching thing. The, you know, there's a certain coaching drawer in my head that opens up and I start talking to him. And I tell him, I was like, when you were, when you were about to fall, yeah. all right, 
How many signs did you have around you? <laughs> what kind of signs? Signs to tell you, stop. <laughs> oh, a lot. Uh, so Hashem he, throws it. So he stops he you. He started counting six, seven signs. And like, you know, it's interesting. I, I saw this meme a while ago. It's like, we're all looking for a signier sign to tell us what the sign really is, what, what we really want. We're all looking for a signier sign. Signs are all around us. All right. What we want, the way we want to see the world is, is, is going to, the world is going to reflect it right back at us. So if God doesn't want bad for us, God does not want us to fall. So we will all, we will always have these different phenomena around us. That's going to, that's basically the universe, Hashem, life winking at us. You ever, if, if, whether it's finding a spot, whether it's, showing up to a place on time, whether it's whatever it is on your level for Hashem to wink at you. Hashem is winking. Always. Always, yeah. And if always. you open your eyes and you smile back at it, <laughs> and it creates that feedback loop. It's not just stum, especially now. People really woke up to this after COVID. You know, after we're already like two and a half years post-COVID. Everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. And if I, if I sit and listen, if I sit and listen, listen to myself, listen to what's around me, listen to my own breath, not listen to the clicks of, of, of my finger on the phone. It's, it's, it's kind of annoying, no? Just keep on going and keep on going. Another buzz and another ring and another ding. It's, 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 it's enough. It's enough. If I could just learn how to let go. I'm not saying I'm letting go. I'm not saying I'm, 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 I'm not saying take a hammer to it. I'm saying learn how to put it down. Learn how to be okay with it down. Learning how to accept this is where I'm at. Which really means to be okay with yourself. Mm-hmm. And being alone with yourself. Learning how to be alone with yourself. Yeah. Yes. Because if then is it self-love or is it self-love plus fall? So out of curiosity, how do you advise the guy who had a fall? Because what I, what I would say to someone, sorry for cutting you off, what I would say to someone is that that's one moment that you fell. And now you have the choice to continue letting that moment drown you or to create a new moment and keep going forward. It's very hard because falls, especially if you're clean for years, it's like, yo, I got I to gotta do that better. So his recovery game was low, meaning he, 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 he it was only one fall, but then it was like him staying, he was really, beating, he was really getting off at beating himself up. For him, it was actually being really, really clear what were you after? What were you after and what were you escaping? And for him, it came, it came, it came to power. Men really, really like power. Men really like feeling like they can do whatever the hell they want. And respect. They, they crave respect because the respect gives them that, the boss. That, little, that little knowing that I have the power. It feeds that little monster inside. So the, Between me and you, we, we don't have any power, right? We have unbelievable power. No, but I mean, like, power meaning, like, control. We don't... We don't... No, power does not equal control. I have power to respond. I have responsibility. That is a koach. Mm. I have chokhmah. That's a koachmah. I'm able to name things. I'm able to have kids. I'm able to connect. I'm able to create, invent things like... Phones, I'm able to escape. That's incredible power. Mm-hmm. 
We are very, 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 very powerful beings. The thing is, is when we get bored. We get bored of being powerful in the, in the day-to-day things, and we want something new. More stimulating. We want something more stimulating. Or all that it winds up being is a nice, wonderful dopamine dump. A nice amount of chemicals <laughs> get released in our minds, and like, oh, something new. Something new. So he, he kind of, a big aha thing for him was just how much he was after feeling powerful, like he can do whatever he wants. And I looked at him, and I was like, you knew this already. Really? That's what led to it? Hmm? That's what led to it? Yeah. That's interesting. Think about it. Any person who winds up sitting on their phone without a filter and gets to do whatever the hell they want, there's a certain... You're feeding something with that. I get to get away with You're not with feeding this. the good part I get the to good do... side of yourself. Mm-hmm. You're, not, you're not feeding the good part of yourself. So there's another coach that I, knew, that I met recently who said... And he brings it from Rabbi Nachman. Whatever you feed grows. Nachman. Whatever you feed grows. Nachman. So if I'm going to feed this false sense it. of power, you're feeding it. It's <laughs> yeah, going to grow. Exactly. If you're, it's going to grow. So, it can come into obsession. Mm-hmm. But as you were saying. So it was, it was really him about him owning that sense of power that he has in, in his life. In everything. And it might be boring. Certain things are boring. Paying your bills? Boring. Waiting in traffic? Boring. Sometimes sitting in front of a Gemara? Boring. Yeah. Working on, on inventory or sales or whatever? Let's get really clear, boys and girls. It's boring. Even praying sometimes. And it's learning how to be in that. Learning how to be quiet. And sometimes it's boring. But every day has no. Or even making it exciting. But every day has new. Every second. Every, there is something new. All right? It was just a regular Saturday night, and then we decided to meet here. Right. All right? So it's, it's new. Did I talk about these things before? Probably. Did you hear a lot of these things before? Maybe. I'm ingesting a lot of information. <laughs> but we're doing this probably not because we're poor, but because we're powerful. So what, I think there's a question. Yes, you can let go and you can accept yourself, but then what are you doing with this, with this power? We have such an unbelievable amount of horsepower inside of us and we waste it. It's like, let me go here or let me go there. It's like, no. You think when you waste it, you decrease the, the, the size of it? or Yes. Because it, yes. Can, it can grow. Yes. Do you believe in the idea that a person, when he was born, he was expected to become let's say from one to 10, like a seven. Mm-hmm. But if he really believes and, and does abnormal things, he can reach like an 11. Is that possible? I'll be really happy if I make it to a seven sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Meaning like can the person outdo what he was meant to do? I know that for the people so listening, they, they may even think they might uh, not even so hit me, what they're meant so, to hit. So but. let me put it to you like this. All right. And I think we'll wrap up. This is a little, sh- it's, it's a little bit uh, long, but it's from Rav Dessler. And, you know, let's... Uh, One more question. Let, let's give kavod to, to Rav Dessler. In Parashat Noach, it says, Right? So Rashi has this whole thing. Why is it called a tzaddik? The shvach or the, uh, and the gnai? He's it's, in the it's generation a, of... It, he was in the gener- generation of who? Of wicked people. So for that, for that generation, he was considered righteous. He was considered a tzaddik. But if he was in the later one, he wouldn't be. Who was in the later one? Abraham? 
Avraham. So, we have Noah, who was a tzaddik, and then Avraham Avinu, who was a chassid. What's the difference between a tzaddik and a chassid? Now, I'm not talking about chassid, what we have in Williamsburg and Baropak, although there is definitely what to be said. I'm talking about the Mahuta Inyan. What is tzaddik and what is a chassid? A tzaddik uses whatever they have for the right purpose. Noah was given a set of instructions, mm-hmm. and he fulfilled these set of instructions, right? He was a tzaddik. That's why tzaddik yisod olam yisod is somebody who is holding in that area is called a tzaddik. They are given a certain uh, certain uh, koach, and they are uh, using that koach for the appropriate uh, purposes. That's why he's called a tzaddik. That's why when you give money, it's called tzedakah. Why? Because you're taking something and you're doing an and you're doing an appropriate purpose with that. Balatani is going to be all over that. Why tzedakah is coming from that same root of doing doing tzedek. I'm 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 doing what's right. Mm-hmm. You know, It's it's going to be you know to the letter. What's a chasid? Avram Avinu met that bar. He had all his killing, and he filled all his killing, and then he did something else. He did something that wasn't done before. He turned to God and said, I wanted more. He said, God, I filled my potential. I want more. Give me more. Give me more of it. I want to do more with you. I want to spread your name even more. Mm-hmm. That is the difference. We, there, there is a certain fire so he knew what he hit. There is a certain fire inside of us that wants more. That always wants more. Facts. And that is not the level of a tzaddik. Alavai, we make it to the level of a tzaddik. Alavai, our more will be to the level of a tzaddik. And then even when we reach the, what we perceive as a potential, what we perceive as a potential, there's still a glass ceiling that we break through and then there's a whole other more. Right. And that is the level of a chassid. So... So can a person come down and be one way and then expand to even greater ways? A billion percent, yes. It's beautiful. A billion percent, yes. Halavai, we, we, we even get to a level where we see our potential. Mm-hmm. So you had one more question. Yes. So when a person gets through... First of all, I want to say one thing. Do you find as you get older, you just become a bigger accumulation of life experience and it's harder to let go because there's so many things going on so i think i'm a little bit different um, because i've been doing a lot of i mean i'm not different i'm unique i'm I'm just me i could speak from my own experience that there are things that i was able to let go to and there are things that are harder to let go from of and from definitely life has a a way of teaching you how to let go of the things that you weren't letting go of. And one yeah. way or another, and mark my words, mark my words on this, boys and girls, life will teach you how to let go of the things that you haven't let go of. Because you have to. If it's in your highest good to let go of this, either you're going to do this willingly or you're going to do this unwillingly. It's true. Now, the thing is, many people, especially for people who are in relationships that they don't want to, they don't want to let go. Of. That was my question. Yeah. So, toxic relationships in the past. So toxic. Are we talking about romantic relationships? Romantic, specifically. So, Kubler Ross, who was a famous psychologist, has what's called the five stages of grief. The five stages of grief is whenever we lose something, 
right? Whenever there's um, a loss, loss, we go through these different stages of how to experience this thing called grief. Uh, Agav, I'll say that one of the most beautiful explanations of grief that I've ever received or I ever read was grief is unexpressed love. There and wow, yeah. that just hit me. <laughs> Yo, what do you do with that unexpressed love? Okay, so wait, wait, wait. Okay. I'm getting okay. passionate. Okay. passionate. We're, here. We're, here. We're, here. We're here, we're here, we're here. If this is if, if we got to this for this, awesome. Oh, so the sure. first stage of the first stage of grief is going to be denial. All right, we whenever we lose something, we deny. Don't tell me it's gone. It's not. I don't want to accept it. I don't want to accept it. So no, <laughs> I don't want to accept it. It's not over. We are still together, or I'm still going to try and get you back. Or I'll give it some time, let it cool off, and then I'm going to go again another way. Oh, I'm better now, see? <laughs> <laughs> I'm better. I'm smarter. Uh, or my personal favorite, we just needed space. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be different now. After denial, there's anger. Because after I start realizing... Anger at her or yourself or him, whatever. Her, yourself, it, God, the universe, whoever. Um, once, once I realize that I keep on you know, hitting myself with this whole denial and I'm hitting my head against the wall, I'm angry about it. Mm-hmm. I'm angry about it. And that's why I remember one, one Friday night after uh, I broke off an engagement, I lost it at my brother. I lost, it was a nice number of years ago. It was like six and a half years ago. Like, I'm, we're good, Hashem. But it was, I had so much in me, and I was so angry. What were you angry at? Life. It hurts. It hurts when you think it's going to go one way. It doesn't. And it doesn't. Were you angry at the effort you put in? I was angry at everything. Everything. I was angry at everything. I was angry at everything. Then there's this, this um, then there's the next level. There's a level of bargaining. That's number three? Bargaining. Then I'm going to, I'll do this, and then this will happen. I'll do this. My, my, this is like people that like play chess with God, and they start doing all this to go out. No, keep on doing this, keep on doing this, and God's going to do it. Keep on doing this, and then this is going to happen. We bargain all the time, especially when we're experiencing grief. Could you like elaborate on the bargaining? Bargaining is... I, I start to give things away. I start to give different parts of me away. For I, free. For free. Because I'm, I want to feel better. Or I want to get her back. So I'm like, okay, fine. I know it's not my favorite. But those things are really important to me. Eh, they're not. They're not important. That's leading I just to want a you. disaster in the future. There you go. <gasps> there you go. When I refuse to let go of what's... Life is has already taken I'm going to lose I lose parts of myself in that process that's a no-go the next is the next stage is going to be the sadness ultimately again sadness is really close to acceptance I feel like there's going to be a level where the dam breaks where the dam breaks and you let yourself do what what you need to do, and sometimes that means crying your eyes out, and sometimes that lasts days, and sometimes that lasts weeks. That's okay. And that's totally fine. Real men cry. Real men cry. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. Most definitely, and sometimes there's an ocean behind there. And sometimes there's so many feelings around 
just allowing yourself to let go of what no longer serves you. The fifth level is acceptance. Now, these five stages of grief is not only in a toxic relationship. These stages of grief are also in a cancer diagnosis, not in. All right, I, I remember when my, when my grandmother got, got uh, had cancer, got diagnosed four years ago. But we went through the, the denial, like, no, it's not it, what the hell are you talking about? Like, it didn't even make sense. Then there was the anger. And then there was, then there was the bargaining. Then there was, you know, no, what medicine can we pay for? You know, some people just like throwing money at things. And then there's the sadness, and then there's the acceptance. And mind you, when you're grieving with a family, everybody's at a different stage at the same time. That's why. That's why it's a roller coaster for everybody involved. So when it comes, I don't know, that's a very real life example. When it comes to relationships, especially relationships that you tried with and it didn't serve you, learn to let go. Learn that it, that that if if it was it, it will happen. If it's it, it would happen. What does that mean? That means you don't need to try that hard. Because it's meant to be. If it's meant to be, it's meant to be, and it will happen with, with, with ease. So how does that, Re- when how does it's that real, apply to a person? When no. it's real, there, there's, it happens organically. We are all looking to be whole. All right? I think we'll, we'll, we'll really wrap up soon with this. We're all looking to be whole. You believe in right person the Zohar says The Zohar says that that's, uh, we make it the right person, and we make it the right time. Right and wrong is a, is a judgment. Right and wrong is a judgment. And based off of what we do and who we are and how we act, that's what makes it a right person, right time. But both parties have to do that. Yeah. 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 You do yours. Mm-hmm. You do yours. And she will do hers. And it's about coming together. Both parties need to come together. To be whole. Zohar says that you're probably for half a person. It, 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 it's, it's scary how true it is. Because you're married. No, I'm married. Now it's you see it. It's scary how true it is. I don't know that yet. <laughs> <coughs> I'm like, I thought, I'm, I think now, I'm like, I thought I knew what I was talking about. I knew nothing. Wow. I thought I knew what I, knew, what I was talking about. I knew absolutely nothing. So you feel like a complete person. I, 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 I like the word whole. I'm more whole. And when we're doing things that make us feel whole, that are in our highest good, that are caring for ourselves, are kind for ourselves, again, a lot of people, especially with the different attachment styles, they get so scared of losing it or scared of not having it that they're willing to give everything. They're willing to people please and they're willing to be... There's so much... And it's okay because those things need to be worked out. Mm-hmm. So you know, there's trial and error until we until we get to yeah. who, who we're actually meant to be with. Um, so yeah, there's 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 definitely a hishtadut and there's definitely a refining that happens in the dating process. And some of for some people, it's it takes longer, and some t- people it takes shorter. I've heard the speeches and I've had the talks. I lived it too. I lived it. 
I lived it. And each relationship, the ones that you fought for and the ones that you didn't, are going to teach you different things that bring you to who you really are with who you're supposed to be with. And that's part of the process. Mamash, mamash, part of the process. And so much of life is trusting the process, letting go to the process, and accepting that it's a process. How do you regulate that? What do you mean by regulate that? Meaning the day-to-day feelings. You do what you love. You do things that are kind. You do things that are fun. You, you're very normal. You find a hobby and you enjoy it. I love seltzer. So I went and bought 25 bottles of seltzer because <laughs> it felt good to me. I like learning. So I sit down and do that. I like connecting. And I, I so do many that. People can't do that. That's the point. People can't do things that are nice for them because they want to be in the sad story. I hear you. They don't want to let go. I hear you. Well, if you're listening to this and you want to let go, you know, talk to Jonathan. He'll get you. He'll snap you out of it. It's going to get to a point where it doesn't work anymore. And that doesn't mean you're going to be out of it. That means that it's just you're a little bit more honest with it. So, So let's finish with this. Will you ever truly let go? It's a deep question, but that means, is there ever a point in your life where that thing that once hurt won't hurt anymore? Yeah. Where yes. that thing you once wanted, you won't want. Yes. There are moments. There are moments. Of understanding and clarity. There are moments of peace. There are moments of understanding. There are moments of clarity. There are moments of bliss. There are moments where it makes sense. you know this is exactly where I need to be. And all those things were just points on a map to bring me where I need to be. I said this to an old business partner on the day of my wedding. And he asked me for a bracha. I was driving to see the, the Messiah Kedushan. I was in Miami. I told him, I said, my blessing to you is, I have to believe that today is a day that you know where you're supposed to be. And I bless you that Every day will be like that for you. If only. And every, but every day is that. You're, you are where you need to be right now. And if I learn how to let go to that, and I learn how to trust that, and I learn how to use that as a springboard, I use that as a bounce, you're never stuck. You always have assets. You're always, there's always something to be grateful for. There's always something to be grateful for. So the, then those moments of peace... Those moments of letting go, those moments of smiling, ah, I'm here. Hineni, higati, baruch Hashem, odeani, shechianu, whatever line that you want to use, whatever's going to anchor that. Yeah, and all those steps that you took, both, you know, the, the twisty ones and the limping and the crawling and the jumping and the dancing and the ones that took completely off the, the those are all just points on a map that are bringing you to this moment and when you know you know me and Mo we want to collectively give a blessing to everybody listening that you should be able to let go of whatever it is and to be more present to be on your phone less And ultimately, that will lead to a better you, and the better you will lead to a better world. Thank you for listening, and we wish you a great day and a blissful life.
שבוע טוב.